Welcome to the Faith Christian Church Podcast. You're listening to a message from one of our many gatherings that we have throughout the week. For more information on service times, ways that you can be a part of the work that God is doing in our communities, and so much more, you can visit our website at faithchristianwi.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Thanks, Paul. Um, how are you guys doing? Um, so I'm one of those crazy people um, that just really loves below zero weather. Um, and, some, and somebody asked me this week, like, why do you like it? Like, it's just so bad, and they're going on and on about how terrible it is. Um, and it may, I, I, I was, I've been thinking about it all week because I don't know if I can trace. Do you ever, like, try to think about why you like something? It's like, why do you like this certain food or something? But I was thinking about it. And my wife was like, I just, she just complains about this weather. She just hates cold weather. And she's like, why do you like it? And I said, it, I said two reasons. And I figured this out now about myself. So this is some self-discovery that's happening. I, you know, I'm 31 years old. I'm self-discovering. So first of all, I hate summer. So like the opposite of summer is what we're experiencing this week, right? Like I hate sitting in a home and like I'm sitting at my house. It's 9 o'clock at night. I'm watching TV and I'm sweating. Like, why am I sweating? I shouldn't be sweating. So I hate summer, um, but I also love the idea that, like, I, li- I, like, I love the idea of, like, being a pioneer and, like, the sense of adventure that comes along with being a pioneer and to think about, like, we have it so good now. Like, I can just go in there and turn my heat up, right, if I'm cold. There were people, like, hundreds of years ago that were pioneering this part of the world that didn't have that. They had to, like, build log cabins out of the logs that they chopped down. And, like, it makes me feel like one of them. Like, and so, like, I just, I get this feeling. So, like, we are one, right? Like, I'm one with the pioneers that settled Wisconsin. Um, That's why I like it. That's just part of, I I discovered that about myself this week. So, there it is. Um, we're, we're continuing our series. For those of you who don't know me, um, you probably, if you're here, you don't see me very much. Uh, but uh, uh, my name's Aaron, and I'm the associate pastor uh, of the Mostyn campus. And um, uh, Pastor Ken will ask me every once in a while to come and speak to you guys. And so I'm excited to be able to do that. I do some of the speaking in Mostyn and then some here. So uh, we're going to be continuing our series this morning on roots. Everybody say roots. And uh, we're kind of going, we're going through uh, the, the Lord's Prayer. And uh, we've talked in the last few weeks uh, about how the Lord's Prayer is, it's it's not just words to pray, and it's not only just a model for our prayer lives to fit, but it's also a model for our lives to follow after. And so this last little portion of the Lord's Prayer is going to help us understand all of it on a maybe even a deeper level than what we understood before, because Jesus begins, he, he reveals through this uh, that there is some things happening beyond what we can just see. A lot of what we've gone through up to this point is, God, give us our daily bread and forgive us uh, our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. These are often things like for us, it's like, okay, God, I'm trusting you for provision, or I'm trusting you to take away a hurt. But this last portion we're going to talk about this morning, and this morning we're going to be using a lot of Scripture to talk about how some of these things that are happening can be reinforced in our life. And so before we dive in, 
Um, let's just go, let's just, let's just uh, pray and ask God to really speak to us this morning. Because I believe that if we really lean in and we really listen to some of these words from, uh, from Scripture this morning, that they can really change and challenge us this morning. So, God, I just thank you for each and every person here. And I thank you that as we grow closer to you, that, that you're the one who gives us the strength, that you're the one who gives us the perseverance to see past obstacles and to embrace the calling that you have for our lives. God, I just ask that in this very moment that you would speak to each and every one of us, that you would use your words to form and to craft the future that you have for us. God, just allow us to see you clear this morning. In Jesus' name, and we all said, amen. amen. So I've thought a lot about, as we've been going through this series, you know, we've, we've done a lot of discussion, uh, especially as a staff, uh, about these different portions. And each week we've sort of broken it down and, and talked about some of the elements that make the Lord's Prayer so important. And, and if you begin to look, at where this fits in the realm of Scripture, you're going to see that this kind of falls in the middle when we're looking at Matthew chapter 6, that this falls in the middle of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount uh, is a very, very, very important piece of Scripture. And if you were ever to read a portion of Scripture over and over and over, if you're like, if you ever were going to make a part of Scripture your favorite, you should make Matthew 5, 6, and 7 your favorite. Um, like, you should just force that upon your spiritual self. You know what I mean? Um, so, like, okay, I'm going to really like this. Why would I say that? Well, because everything that Jesus speaks to throughout his entire ministry, Jesus at least touches on in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And he begins to lay the groundwork for how our lives can be lived. And so in the midst of Jesus beginning his ministry and laying a foundation for all the things he says, we find ourselves with the Lord's Prayer. So it's, it's so important that we understand that what Jesus is teaching us goes just beyond a few words that we could say. And, and, and something that I've learned over the course of parenthood um, is I've learned a lot of things um, about like myself, I've learned a lot of things about God listening to my kids pray. Um, I, I, how many of you have kids here? Raise your hand. I hope that like each night you're like praying with them um, because I can promise you, you will learn things. You will learn things about how good of a parent you are. You will learn things about how to have childlike faith. You will learn things um, about your kids. And like so many things are revealed. And so like my daughter is two years old and she's learning how to pray. And <laughs> this just happened two nights ago. Okay, uh, Violet, I want you to pray uh, for Felicity because she's not feeling good. Uh, no, I'm not going to pray for her. Why not? She's stupid. Okay, well, let's talk about that. <laughs> but I also learned so much because uh, Violet, on the, on the flip side of that, can go on for five and six minutes, and she will just list everyone she knows. And she prays as a two-year-old with, like, such passion and desire, like she's closing her eyes and she's believing that God 
can bring answers to people. And like I, I, I learned from my kids about how to pray and how to relate to God. And Jesus in that way is trying to help us understand throughout these, in these last few weeks as we continue to talk, he's trying to help us understand that there's a connection with God that happens when we quiet ourselves to pray and lift our lives before God. And so we're going to go ahead and read this uh, portion of scripture as we're going to be doing each and every week. Uh, but today, we're going to be talking about our interaction with darkness. Because like up to this point, it's been like, okay, God, you know, there's these things that we're praying for, but now we're, we're going to be stepping into a realm that is a little bit different, and it goes a little bit of a different direction. In Matthew 6, 7, it says, when you pray, and I'm going to be reading this morning, we've been sort of reading out of some different translations to help us understand more of the context, more of the flow of it. I'm reading out of the New Living this morning. It says, when you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think that their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. So pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy, may your kingdom come soon, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. And here it is, verse 13, and do not let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And do not let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. You see, in the fallen world in which we live, we don't have to look around very far to see evil, right? It's, and it seems, you know, of course, uh, the more that time goes on, the more prevalent that a, the more prevalently evil a society could become. Not necessarily just here in America, but as, you, as we have access and news from all over the world, we see countless things rising up that you could point at and you could say, man, that just there's something not right about that. There's evil happening there. And so it's not difficult for us to see that we have an enemy of our soul. If we would say that God is our friend and God is our ally, that means that there is somebody and there is something that is work at work against us. And we would say that, that that one that is at work against us is Satan and that thing that is working against us is evil and temptation. So this scripture says, it says, God, don't let us yield to that temptation, and deliver us from the evil one. And so this morning, I want to talk about four observations, and we're going to go through four things that I believe Jesus is helping us understand. And some of these things are going to be really practical for us, uh, but that will be really good because when it comes to this part of Scripture, it should be a nice blend of how we can see conceptually where God wants us to go, but also how we can live our daily lives. And so the first observation we're going to look, and if you're taking notes, you can write some of these things down. The first observation is that temptation is everywhere, but it doesn't come from God. Temptation is everywhere, right? I mean, you know, Pastor Donovan, you know, did his little humble brag about working out for five days a week. I mean, bravo, buddy. Um, 
But <laughs> you don't have to go far. You know, if, if Pastor Donovan is trying to, you know, eat healthy, you don't have to go far before you're passing restaurants that are going to tempt you to do something. Temptation is everywhere. Some temptations are mild forms of temptation where it's like, okay, you know, I probably shouldn't be eating this cheeseburger, but I'm going to just because, you know, I'm an American. I have to. So, um, all the way to, you know, these a lot more dark, you know, terrible, evil temptations that sometimes we can find ourselves in regardless of whether we expected it or not. Temptation is everywhere, but this is what James chapter number one said. It says, temptation comes from our own desires. It doesn't say that God tempts us. It says that temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. It says these desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Temptation does not come from God. It comes from the desires that are within us. Now, God gives us desires too, right? He gives us good desires. He gives us things that we could work toward in our life. And a lot of these things that God gives us are very good. But if I could sort of def define sin for us here this morning in a little bit of a different way, is sin is fulfilling a God-given desire in a non-God-given way. Does that make sense? Because we can twist up the desires that God gives us in our life to be altered. I mean... God gives us desires to follow after someone and we are attracted to our spouse and we're like, whoa, I'm going after that person, right? That's a God-given desire so that, so that all of the promises that we have, that he has for us, we can fulfill it in that way. When we take that desire and we then twist it and say, I'm going to be unfaithful, it's the same desire, but it's been twisted. Does that make sense? So the desires that we have that God gives us are good when we fulfill them in God-given ways. And so it's kind of like this. So God gives us, I'll, I'll tell a story. Uh, I was in college, and uh, I made some friends in college that were Southern. Anybody here Southern from the South? South of the Mason-Dixon line? Nobody here? Okay, cool. Well, then I can fill you in on, like, what these people are like, okay? Because they're a different, um, they're just different. I went to my, I had this friend who ended up becoming my roommate and is still my best friend. I actually convinced him. He lives in Wisconsin now. I convinced him to move up. Um, and he said, why don't you come to my house this weekend? I knew this guy for like two months. And he's like, I, I want you to come to my house. We were at college. I was going to school in Columbus, Ohio. And he's like, come on down to my house. Um, we're, we're just going to have a good time. And so I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I'm always up for an adventure. And let's, like, let's go up and or let's go down and, like, let's just hang out. And so he's like, this is, so we, like, we get to his house. And we get in his pickup truck. And he has a pickup truck. Like, everybody there has these pickup trucks. But they're not, I don't like the pickup trucks around here. Um, he had something on his pickup truck that he called a hillbilly lift kit. Okay, and that is when like all the wheel wells of your truck are rusted out, and so like all like so you, like it's just it's just a really old junky truck. And so we get in this truck, and he's like, "I'm going to take you down the back roads, and we're going to listen to Alabama, and I'm going to give you the full Southern experience." And so we're driving down the road, and all of a sudden, like we're and I'm like thinking like. I'm thinking I'm going to die because he's going way too fast along these really back muddy roads. And all of a sudden, he sees something out in the middle of a field. And he's like, oh my gosh, I see a deer. 
And so instead of like doing the normal thing, pulling over and being like, let's look at the deer, he takes the steering wheel down into the ditch, get airborne, and out into this muddy field where we're just like, the deer is scared to death, right? We never really see the deer, but what happens is we get stuck. Like, there's just so much mud, and so we're stuck. We're sitting out there in the middle of this field. We have to call his dad. I'm having to push out my friend. I'm like, I barely know you, and I'm covered in head to toe in mud because I had to push you out. And, and I always think of that story when it comes to, like, our temptation because, you know, God gives us these paths that we can drive on. Like, he, like he, he gives us these paths throughout the context of Scripture. Scripture begins to define the lines on the outside of the road, right? Like, if, we, if you are driving on the road, the white lines that define the sides of the road, if we think of that, we would be good to think of those things as God's plan through scripture for our lives and he begins to define those pathways for us and even though sometimes we don't know what's coming next if we trust God we won't be tempted to be distracted by something else because when we become distracted when we look at temptation and we give in we find ourselves going off of the road and getting stuck in the middle of a hayfield right and I don't need everybody to raise their hands here this morning, but I'm pretty sure each and every one of us have been stuck in a hayfield at some point in our life, right? We've all been led astray to a point where we're like, oh my goodness, what have I done, right? Like we've all been there. And so God not only finds a way to always pull us back in, but he then continues to remind us that there are the, within the confines of scripture, there is a path and there is a way for us to live that is a better plan than getting stuck on our own. The temptation with this, when I was growing up, and the temptation with looking at Scripture and saying, okay, you know, all I have to do is not do bad things, and God will love me. Like, that's... Growing up, like when I would read the Bible, that was sort of the overwhelming thought that came to my life. Nobody told me that. It was just something that when I looked and I looked at Scripture, I was like, okay, as long as I don't do bad things, God will love me. And maybe you've thought that before too. And, and, and I, when I think of that in the context of God defining that for a road for our life, that would be like if you were driving and all you ever looked at were the white lines on the side of the road. You could go places. If all you ever looked at was right here, you could go places, but guess what's going to happen? You're going to go really slowly. God wants us to look ahead, and he wants us to say, you know, God, instead of me being caught in all of this temptation, deliver me from that temptation is what the scripture says. So when we pray, we say, God, don't just let me be consumed with not doing something bad. Help me then to be focused on your goal for my life, so that that temptation does not draw me away. So, our temptation to walk away from God's plan can lead us lost and looking for help, but God's word creates the boundaries in which we can live our life outside of the continual realm of temptation drawing us away. Temptation will never go away, and that's the part of Christianity that I just... I can't solve that for you. People will come to pastors and they're like, but I'm still tempted to do this. Yes, and you will be for the rest of your life. 
the news is worse than you thought. But as we grow in our relationship with God, saying no to those things becomes easier, and saying yes to the right things also become easier. So that's observation number one. Number two is the evil one exists. The evil one exists. Um, I wanted to read this little thing that I found. Uh, it's, uh, it said, a fellow stood up every week at the conclusion of the church's prayer meeting and prayed, Lord, clean out the cobwebs in my life. After listening to him pray this every week for months, a little older woman of faith finally stood up and prayed, Lord, I want to thank you for cleaning the cobwebs in my brother's life, but Lord, would you save him a lot of trouble and just kill the spider? That was supposed to be funny. It was like, I thought that was, when I read that, I laughed. My wife's like, what are you laughing at? I'm like, I actually thought that was kind of funny. So the question is, how often do we confront the cobwebs in our life while ignoring the spider? I want you to think about that a little bit because I thought that was funny. You guys didn't think that was funny? I thought that was funny. I thought I delivered it well. My comedic timing was just right on. But um, how often do we confront the cobwebs in our life without actually confronting the spider? Uh, this is what Scripture says uh, in 1 Peter 5. It says, uh, Be self-controlled and alert, for the, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. So we, we, when we're looking at the issues and the problems that we face, now I think we should stop here for a second because... There's a big difference between just random life things getting in the way and the devil is attacking me, right? I bought a new pair of socks not long ago, and I'm super into socks. Um, I like, <laughs> that's funny apparently, so I like wool socks, and I like nice wool socks, right? And so uh, I, I have this brand of socks that I really like. They're called Smart Wool. You know, they're just really nice. And they have a lifetime guarantee. Like, no, if anything goes wrong, they'll fix them or they'll replace them. But I tried a new brand, and this was, this was where I went wrong. I got this brand of socks that I was like, I was so excited about. And on their package, it said lifetime warranty. And so I put them on. After the first time I wore them, I took them off, and my, I took my shoe off, and my big toe is sticking out of the front of them. That brand was Wigwam, by the way, so be careful if you ever see Wigwam socks. And so <laughs> I was like, I was, I was teasing with my wife. I was like, what? <laughs> like, the devil is in my socks. Like, I can't wear a pair of socks for one day without there being a hole in them. And you want to know what? Wigwam's lifetime warranty is lame because I had to fill out this huge long thing. I didn't do it. I'm like, you know what? It's probably just going to rip a hole in the front of it anyway. So I'm like, I'm done with you. So <laughs> I told my wife, I'm like, the devil is in my socks. And she's like, I'm pretty sure he's not, right? So like there are things in life, before we go any farther with like deciphering what's going on in our life, there are some things that just happen in life because Wigwam doesn't make as good of a sock as Smart Wool, right? So there are some things that just happen in your life that is because you live in a fallen world, right? Then there are other things where you can recognize in your life, I need to take a stand against the evil one, right? There's, there's, there's a difference between the two. A lot of Christians get a little kooky and they're like, I can't, you know, I just, I, I can't find my phone. I don't know where it is. The devil must want me to not have my phone. It's like, actually, that's probably God wanting you not to have your phone, but uh, 
Do you you see what you mean? Like we take small little things and we pray against the cobwebs, not realizing that there really could be a spider at work in our life, right? And so it's really important because um, Jesus, um, when you look at how he was tempted in the wilderness, like if if you look at Luke chapter number four, um, it says that uh, for days Jesus went out and he was tempted by the devil. There is temptation that comes from the devil. We know that there's temptation. We know that there are things that he's at work against us. So finding a way, like each and every day, we have to find a way without giving the devil too much credit to stand against him. Because there are also some things that we do to ourselves through following through with our evil temptation and desires that lead us down a negative path. And then we blame the devil for it. Well, that wasn't the devil's fault. You fell into temptation. And I've been there too, where I'm like, oh man, I feel like I'm attacked. No, I'm not attacked. I'm just dumb, right? And I'm making poor choices. This is something that I pray with my son every night. All right, Jasper, let's pray that God helps us both make good choices. I don't want to pray that, he'll say. I'm like, why, why not? He's like, because then I can't do the things that I want. <laughs> Wise. <laughs> but we're still going to pray it anyway. And, and I explained to him, I'm like, hey, Jasper, your dad makes bad choices too. I'm praying this with you. This isn't something I'm telling you to do. So, right, we find ourselves making bad choices that lead us down bad paths. Those are things that we choose to do, not something that Satan is attacking us. Now, when you have a real attack happening in your life, I believe that it will be obvious to you, where you can say, you know what, I'm taking a stand against this. Something, there's an attack that comes in your life, you can, as a family, grab hands and say, you know what, guys, we're being attacked by this, and we are going to stand against this evil that's attacking our life. Can you guys with me this morning? Okay. So when, when we take that step to do that, we walk in the authority that God has given us. Um, and so uh, Jesus prayed in John 17, 15. It says, my prayer is that you, there's not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil. And this is Jesus, it's his prayer to God. He's saying, I pray that you don't just take them out of the world, out of the world but that you would protect them from the evil one. So our prayer to God and what Jesus wants for our life is that we could use the tools, we would use the weapons that God has given us in order to be, when we need to go to war, we can go to war. But also that God gives us the wisdom to say, this is a time to go to war. My, there's a hole in my sock. No, don't do that. But when you know, God will give you the ability. He'll reveal it to you where he says, he, he, I, I believe this he'll say, you know, this is a time where you need to take a stand as an individual or as a family, wherever you find yourself, take a stand against these things. So that's number two. Number three is Satan is in conflict with you. Ephesians 6 talks about, and I don't want to read the whole thing, but it talks about putting on the whole armor of God. And if you're, if you're unfamiliar with that portion of scripture, you should read, you should read the whole Bible. I mean, this is, <laughs> you should read Ephesians 6. It talks about what, it, what spiritual warfare can be like. And we're talking about, you know, being at war. And it doesn't really, oh man, I just felt so good today. Pastor talked about being at war. You know, it's like, it's, it's a symbol of what happens in our life when we are attacked, right? Like, like we, we should be clear about that, that it's not like we just like wake up every day, okay, the devil's attacking me in every single area. I just need to, no. We can, we can walk out our life according to God's plan, and when we are attacked, we stand firm. And that's what Ephesians 6 talks a lot about, 
is that when, when the evil day comes, you could stand your ground. And so knowing the difference between general life in a fallen world and an attack from the devil will help you as a person to mature in your faith and allow you to see that God's plans for you can be promises that move you forward rather than you just trying to keep your life in between the white lines. Where there's promises that could move us forward so that we could accomplish what God's called us to do. Each and every one of us have those things that we need to do. And as we shared before, our enemy is looking to devour us. And so sometimes he doesn't have to work very hard, right? Because we make stupid choices. But other times, where when, we, when I've looked at my own life, the times where I've felt and seen real attacks spiritually from the other side are times that it has not just caused my own faith to be strengthened, but has caused the faith of my entire family and my relationship with my wife where we would stand together and we would say, nope, we're not allowing this to happen to our family. We're not allowing this to happen with our kids. We're not allowing this to happen. And so having a little bit of that tenacity when it comes to a real attack from the devil will allow you to live without this cycle of, well, I guess nothing just works out for me. I got holes in my socks one day. <laughs> my car's breaking down the next. Like we just, if we find ourselves just living defeated, we'll never actually claim the victory that God has already given. Which brings us to our fourth point, which is God is your deliverer. When you're looking at, when we're praying against, not just, we're not just praying against temptation, we're not just praying that God would deliver us from evil, but that God would be the one who delivers us from those things. Whether they seem simple to us, or whether they seem like real spiritual attacks, God will be and can be our deliverer. And so it means that you're actively putting on the full armor of God that we talked, that just that you can go home and read in Ephesians 6. It means that you're taking your stand against the devil's schemes and you know that your struggle isn't just with socks, isn't just with your car breaking down. It just, it isn't just with the people of your workplace who are making your job miserable, but your warfare is, a, is on a deeper level than that. And so you can claim that victory for your life. And so uh, because he's your deliverer, that does not just give us license to sit around and be victimized. He wants us to take our stand victorious. So when we pray, deliver us from the evil one, you're not passively sitting by. You're not taking a back seat or letting your engine run idle, but you're taking a stand. You're saying, God, I'm moving my life forward through your promises. That those promises that are defined through Scripture... As we, look at the, as we look at the course of our life, we can even look and say, God, I don't know what's coming around this corner, but I'm trusting you. I'm not going to walk in the temptation that would say, I'm going to take this other path that's more comfortable for me. I'm going to say, no, I'm going to hold true to what you've called. That you've called me to be a son and a daughter of God. That you've, you've called me to, to, to make disciples of my coworkers. That you've called me to, and the list goes on and on. But if we don't trust God, to be our victory, to be our deliverer, we will be sidetracked and we will find ourselves in the middle of a hayfield wondering where we went wrong. And so it's important that we take those stands. It's important that we claim that God is our deliverer. It's important that we walk out our lives in such a way that we can take a stand when things go wrong. 
The last scripture before we kind of close here this morning is James chapter 4 and verse 7. It says, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You see how like, do you see how this goes? There's a little bit of a progression here. It says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So our initial response when things go wrong is not just to say, oh my gosh, the devil's attacking me, but is first to look to God as the one who promises deliverance regardless of where we would find ourselves. You see, because whether we've been led astray by our own temptations and we've walked away from God in sin, God, God doesn't stand on the road and look at us off in the hayfield and say, I can't believe you're out there. If you weren't so foolish, if you weren't drawn away by your desires, you wouldn't be out there. He doesn't stand on the road and accuse. He walks out to the field and pulls you out. You see, we get that wrong. And I grew up sort of with that mentality that, oh no, God is going to be mad at me because I did something wrong. But that wasn't the voice of God in my head. That was the voice of the devil. He's not only the one who tempts, he's not only the one who draws you away, but he's also the one who will accuse you when you've gone wrong. And he'll say, now God is mad at you. So that voice that's within us, that conscience that's within us, the voices that are happening within our hearts and our heads that would say, now that you've done this thing wrong, you're never welcome back onto that road that God's called you to. That's not the voice of God. The voice of God is one that would walk out and help pull you out. It is the enemy of our soul that would accuse us and tell us that the decisions that we made have made us unlovable to God. Don't ever listen to that voice. That voice rises up in you, and you might think, well, if I was just a Christian longer, I would not battle with this thought where God doesn't love me. Nope, I've been a Christian my whole life. I've been a pastor for most of it, and even when I am led astray, that's the first voice that comes to my head. God isn't going to love you now. God is mad at you. You sinned. You, you broke his law. You've, you've gone your own way. That's the same voice that comes to me. And guess what? It will probably be the same voice that comes to me in 20 years and in 30 years. But I'm going to tell you right now, don't listen to that voice. I've known over the course of my life and I've been taught well enough by other people that I greatly respect that when you can hear that voice, you can resist that voice and you can use that as an opportunity to embrace the forgiveness that Jesus offers. Because that forgiveness that he offers is endless and is continually offered each and every day. Not just when we mess up, not just when we do things wrong, but even when we sometimes fail to do the right thing. And as I grew up as a child, I, I began to sort of change my idea of who God was. And I began, to, I began to see him differently. And I began to see that when there were things that were faced in my life, I read you a bunch of scriptures this morning because I want to reinforce the idea that when we're in those places, we don't often have the words to speak to those things. But God does. 
So we can submit ourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. When you feel that voice rising up that says you're not good enough, when you, when you feel that attack coming on, you can say, God, I submit to you. I come to you humbly, and I realize that I can resist the devil, and he will flee. I want you to stand this morning. There's this one scripture that, is gonna, that has helped me maybe more than any other scripture. And it's in Psalm 119, and it says this. It says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have hidden my word, your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. As we face obstacles, as we face attacks, as we face temptations, if we have the word of God ingrained on the inside of us, instead of us responding in such a way that would lead us astray, we can respond with the word of God coming out of our lives. That's what we do. We do our best. We, we do our best to declare God's word over situations in our family, in our household. To declare God's favor when we need it. To declare God's love when we need it. To declare God's provision when we need it. But if those words, if those things aren't hidden within our hearts, it's a lot more difficult for us to declare those words. So I hope that as you grow in your relationship with God, you'll find a way to take the words of God and bury them on the inside of you so that when you're in those situations, you can then declare the word of God in your life. Let's, 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 close, our, let's close our eyes and pray and, and just allow all of these scriptures that we read this morning, all of the things that begin to not just define darkness, but also define the light which draws us out. Let's let those just sink in just for a moment here this morning. And God, we, we pray this morning that with all of the evil, all of the darkness, all of the temptation that exists around us, God, that you've called us to live in your great light that you've called us to live with purpose, that you've called us to live with destiny, and you've called us to see beyond what could be right in front of our face, something that would be so tempting, something that would be so evil, that would draw us away. God, you're the one who provides the way of escape. You're the one who provides the context and the road in which we can live our lives on. God, I thank you for doing that. And I ask that you would help us each and every day to walk out your promises. And God, if there's people here that are facing real attacks from the enemy, we claim your victory for their life in Jesus' name. God, that you have not called us to walk under the thumb and live under the thumb of an oppressor or an accuser, but you've called each and every one of us to live victoriously, walking in your light, walking in your life and purpose. We claim that for each and every person here this morning in Jesus' name. Now, if you would be here this morning and you would say, I, I, I'm here and I need to get my life right with Jesus Christ. And maybe you haven't done that before. And if that would represent you, I want you to think about that in, in, in this regard, that God has given everything for you. You don't have to do it on your own. You've probably tried everything on your own. 
But submitting to God means that we would say, okay, God, I'm ready to receive your gift of salvation for my life. If you've never done that before, we want to pray with you. If that would be you, I want to ask that you raise your hand right now. By raising your hand, you'd say, that's me. That's, that's a step I want to take, a decision I want to make. All right, Lord, as we go, help us as your people to live and to walk with your calling, your purpose in mind each and every day. You would help us to lead our own lives, help us to lead our families in a way that would honor you and would love you. And God, help each and every one of us as we go to fulfill your calling and purpose this week. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. God bless you. You can be dismissed this morning. Uh, if you'd like prayer for anything, we'll have...